Welcome to the WDND Roleplay Radio Podcast. My name is Cliff. Hey y'all, and I'm Jason, and we'll be your host on our discussion of all things RPG and occasional tangents into other areas of geek culture. Today we'll be discussing the incorporation of hero points or drama points into your role-playing games. And as a sister topic, we will go over our opinions on whether or not the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons is too easy. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. Got a lot of interesting things to say about that. But um, let me first do a little recap. We did our Rifts episode a couple of weeks ago. And we did not record because of the holiday. So I hope everybody enjoyed their 4th of July holiday. I certainly did. And um, we will have the Rifts YouTube post. We'll have that up shortly, uh, as well as this one. So don't worry, YouTube fans, you will have the episodes up shortly. That's right. Just, just like Lord of the Rings, it got to be so long, we had to split it up. <laughs> the two topics we've got today, they're, they're kind of counterpoint to each other. And uh, I think that's going to be funny because I think, you know, Jason and I have not discussed our viewpoints on whether or not D&D is too easy. Mm. But I have a feeling we're going to have some pretty fundamental differences in our viewpoint on that, even if we wind up actually agreeing on some of the points of that. So where do you want to start, Jason? Do you want to do you want to jump in uh, to the easy mode D&D debate or do you want yeah. to talk about hero <laughs> points? Okay. We can start about what we like to call easy baked D&D. At least I call it easy baked D&D um, because of, you know, I guess it's because of I've been an avid gamer. I've played D&D since first edition I've seen and I'm trying not to go into edition wars. That can be a pain in the butt, but I, you see the progression of from first, second, third, fourth, to now fifth. I know in this this version was all about outreach, trying to get the game out to make it a more of a mainstream thing and not trying to make it a niche thing because of the advent of all sorts of technologies and whatnot that wasn't available back when um, first edition was out, of course in the early 80s and all that kind of stuff. So I get trying to expand and get a, as broad an audience as you possibly can. Somebody who from day one has no idea what the game is about and you want to keep the rules as easy to understand as possible. But on that note, what is the idea of playing the game if it's going to be everything you run into is going to be an encounter that you can handle or that you have an easy time with or whatever the case may be. Yes, there's role-playing that should be emphasized, but there is a thing to the rules of the game that, you know, should be, make it at least kind of a challenge. Sometimes it's, in my experience with fifth, it's not as challenging as it could be, but that's just me. I'm like putting people in really deadly situations. So that's my particular taste on it. What do you think? Luke? Well, see, I, I'm, my GMing style is I, I love threat. I love the concept of danger for your characters, but I want every single player at my table to feel like their character is a hero of some great story. 
And there is the possibility for death in these, you know, great heroic stories. But I do feel that defeat should not always immediately equal death. Um, There have been many circumstances in role-playing games where you can create those situations where the heroes get captured. And then, then they have to come up with some clever way to get out of blank. Where somebody has to dig deep and do that one thing that their captors didn't think about, and that lets them get free. Those, those are always great moments. And a game that's just like instant lethal mode right from the get-go, it's, it's very hard to have the comeback moment. Because, I mean, when people talk about Star Wars, the uh, and I'm talking about old school Luke Skywalker Star Wars. The the first movie was Luke's journey, and then they had some great victory. The second movie was, oh no, the horrible uh, defeat at, at the end and all the things that they have to struggle against. And then the third movie is them coming back from that defeat and beating the bad guys at the end in a high lethality campaign you don't get that third act you you don't get to get beaten and then come back from that defeat and make the win even more powerful so i'm not saying that i'm against danger in a campaign i'm not against challenge in a campaign i want the players to feel that there are consequences, but I don't always feel that the consequence should necessarily be character death. And if there is going to be character death on the table, I hate for it to be just a random roll of the dice that, Oh, oops, I'm sorry. Ismerelda the sorcerer won't be with us from now on. And it's a damn shame that it was a goblin that did it because (laughs) well, there, there, there's no heroic way to make that death, anything other than an ignoble, failed savings throw on poison and then, Oh, you didn't get your death saves in time. You know, and and there's lots of safety uh, measures and, you know, uh, uh, ways that you can stop someone from permanently dying in D and D with, with all the different healing abilities, uh, ways Mm -hmm. to like hit the pause button on the death saves. And then, you know, the fact that you've got, you know, a little bit of time before you are officially dead, you know, all of that stuff enables the group to, Oh no, Bob passed out from being punched by that giant. We really need to jump, drop the giant or he's going to get crushed. You know, it, it creates drama and tension. And I love that. And kudos for Jason, because if we're playing in one of Jason's games and somebody drops, he rolls their death saves behind the GM screen. Mm-hmm. So we don't yes. know how long they've got. Erase that meta no, as, as much yeah, as possible. It, it, it's, it's, it's nice. That, that is nice. It creates a situation where everybody's kind of like, Oh shit, we have to take care of this person and try to get them back up on their feet or at least get them out of death's doorway. And that's cool. That, that, that adds, that adds a whole nother layer. But in a high lethality game, when Bob the Bob the Paladin drops, it's like, oh shit, he's dead. 
well, while we finish up this combat, go ahead and, you know, pull your third character out of your three ring binder so that you, we can meet him at the next campfire. <laughs> you know, it, and here, here's another thing. If characters are going to die left, right and center in your campaign, how special is any one specific character? I mean, if, if any random roll of the dice is just going to kill somebody because, oh, you rolled, you rolled a seven or less on that savings throw. Well, it's, it's lethal. So you're just dead. That, that really is, is kind of, ugh. and I know there's going to be a lot of other people that call themselves like old school gamers from back in the day. It's like, well, that's how it used to be back in the day. Well, yes. And we evolved from steam powered <laughs> trains too. You know, there's there is this thing called evolution and refinement mm -hmm. that has happened over the years. And you know, I'm not saying no, no, no. I'm not saying your character can't die. It is possible for your character to die. That's absolutely fine. But one of the things back in the day is when characters did die, you got a chance to try out new characters every once in a while. That mm -hmm. was a positive thing. That's the positive now, That's the thing. Now you'll get these situations where somebody uh, wants to, you know, they get they they start playing for a little while and then they they find something else that they want to try, and rather than you know work on the concept and maybe m do the work and play the character later on in the campaign if their character dies, then they have to pitch you this reason why they're going to change their character in the middle of your campaign. Gee, right. I, I mean, I'm not trying to call out anybody in specific, but there you is somebody is that has me. done that in two <laughs> campaigns. He did it in my campaign. He mm -hmm. did it in your campaign. Yep. <laughs> it's kind yep, of a yep, theme. Yep. And I mean, what can I say? I, I you know, I, I've got a specific type of character, a trope that I like to play. And Most of so, us do. So does that. So, so does that friend of ours. The, the trope that he likes to play is the character that changes in the middle of the campaign. Exactly. The, the shiny new thing from the new book. Oh, can I do this? Because I found sure. new combos that work. I guess. Now, that's an, another but, thing with... Uh, I, hmm, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go I was ahead. saying another thing with fifth. You know, it's... Like I said, I'm not trying to go into edition wars, but... Eh, I mean, some of these things are kind of blah in my opinion as far as some of these features and and whatnot I, I know it speaks to the the evolving genre of fantasy it's now i know i'm old and <laughs> all of the young ones like you know this anime style you know everybody fresh out of first level can do xyz and all kinds of stuff it's it's different it's different i'll put it that way but they also well, have things like they, what we're going to get into, which is the, the, what the hero points. Now, it's called different things in different games. D&D uh, &D, is inspiration, where you can use the inspiration to get, you know, a advantage role on, on a role. And a lot of games have gone through that. There was an article, Cliff, that you had saw. And tell yeah, us about that. Yeah, we, well, this um, article is by... a. Uh, Christian Amager on the website medium.com and it's called heroism. What's the point? It's a, it's an interesting read because uh, the, the writer goes over the, the history of what hero points are and a couple of their different incarnations over time. 
and I enjoyed reading it because it, it talked about some game systems that I've played in the past and that I've really enjoyed. And they've talked about how the, the mechanics of having an abstract pool of points that can do X. And, and that's the key there because it, there's no one thing that these points will do across all role-playing games. These are, I struggle to find anything to call them other than points, but it's basically an instance in which the players can say, hey, I want blank to happen. And it's, it's usually outside of their normal turn structure. It's usually something that's added to something else that they're going to do. Sometimes it is added to uh, their ability to resist. It's added to their ability, ability to perform. Sometimes it can be used to avoid damage. Sometimes it can be used to add damage. But some of, I mean, anybody that's listening to us is a familiar with how inspiration works in D&D, mm -hmm. so we don't really need to go into that. Although there are some GMs that kind of like lit inspiration do other things than what the book specifically says and i'm all for that you know in your game make your game work for your players that's always my biggest guide for any game master but the my two favorite times that hero points have been in a game system i, I believe it would have been back in the unis system which we used for uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer games way back in the day and the Angel games, because we kind of used that system for like our generic urban horror, urban fantasy role play that we did for many years. And that system had what they called drama points. And you, you could only use the drama points if the GM approved it too, you couldn't just say it was your turn and uh, I'm going to use a drama point to do so-and-so yeah, the, the GM would be like, yeah, this isn't a very dramatic thing. You just don't want to fail blank. You know, they, they, they had a veto ability on drama points, which was cool on a game master side because it meant that when you spent drama points, it was something pretty impressive. So like drama points could be used when, Oh, you, you could use them when you were going to put a stake in a specifically pesky named vampire. Uh, if you were trying to get that final blow during a fight and you needed that extra oomph and you added the hero point into it and increased the role, all of those things were, were always cool for hero points. So, I, I mean, drama points. And then in Mutants and Masterminds, <laughs> there was an entire meta on how you could get hero points. And one of the best characters I ever made up in that system, not only did it have a very good power set, because it was, it was basically made that guy up to see if you could make like a Green Lantern or Quasar type character with that rule system, and it was very good. And a lot of what that character could do was added beneficially by the hero points. Because you could use the hero points to increase your your power level for a specific power for a brief amount of time. You could use it to give yourself uh, an extra like feature to a power. 
So like the energy constructs, uh, the character could spend a hero point and make one permanent, which was amazing. Uh, you could add a hero point and he could make his constructs invisible. You know, learning how hero points worked in that system opened up so many doors and it let you literally have those moments in that superhero role-playing game where you're that hero that figures out the new way to use your superpower all the time, which is stuff that like characters like Flash and Iron Man do all the time. They have these sets of abilities and they need to pull out something clever to get this to work hero points in mutants and masterminds were amazing mm. for that it's it's like they i almost felt like the game was built around them being there um it it really was a fantastic part of that game system and and i wish more systems incorporated stuff like that so you know maybe that made it seem like easy mode it, but that's why i said that these two topics are related so well yeah cuz it, it seems like um what the development of these points were to mitigate the randomness of the role playing game you know it made it like it, the fate doesn't fall in the hands of the die roll sometimes you can go in there and say, hey, let's not do that. Or some games just use those points to modify, you know, die rolls and things like that. So that's why they kind of were two topics in one. Well, I mean, I, I, I've I always preferred it when those types of points, they do more than just give people a chance to say, you know, I'm going to re-roll or I'm going to get a bonus on this roll or stuff like that, you know. When those points give the players a little bit of added, um, like agency, it ge- it right. gives the players the ability to kind of like put their hand up and add to not really the narration of the world, but it but it lets them add more to what their character can do to interact with the world. Uh, to, to me, as a GM, I always want, you know, my product that I'm trying to deliver to my players is a great story and experience. And, you know, there needs to be danger, there needs to be conflict, there needs to be chances for, for the players to resolve the great threat that they're facing. And all of that happens with these small little steps toward whatever like the big bad of the next arc is going to be and things like hero points uh it allows players to come in while you're painting this big portrait and it allows them to maybe doodle a little bit and then you can take that doodle and then fill it in so you're not you're not giving your players like carte blanche and letting them like make your world. It, it allows your players to collaborate a little bit with, with you as you run and any, any GM that sits down at the table and feels like they're adversarial against their players. They can hate that. 
But when when you and your players are collaborating to to get this narrative to a point and then throwing danger into it and then seeing how how the soup cooks, that's great. And stuff like hero points makes everybody a cook then. It lets everybody come by and kind of like add a little bit of seasoning in there. There's one chef, but it lets everybody come in the kitchen and kind of pitch in a little bit. And I love that. I, I, I love how it makes your players a little bit more invested in what's going on. I mean, it's, I guess it's one of those things, you know, when we're getting back to is an easy game now. It's just taste. It comes down to taste and what you're, players are into what they're not into just that's what a session zero is about to tell them hey this is what i have this is the idea i have what what is your ideas of what do you want to see your characters be able to do that kind of thing so i think this it's it all comes down to just making sure that everybody's on the same page (laughs) at least a little bit exactly exactly i mean if your players want that gritty grim dark everybody can die and you you better have right. a bunch of characters ready <laughs> that's a totally different style of game mm-hmm. and I, I god it was it was maybe two years ago one of my friends like we we had we had started playing some online stuff together and uh they knew that i i ran uh like D and dungeons and dragons so kind of got them into riffs so we started a riffs campaign online using roll 20 and it was the first time that they had actually played anything. Mm-hmm. So they also started playing D and D at about the same time. And then one of the people in their D and D game told them, Hey, there's this other game. that's like super simple. If you're looking at playing a DM, you should start with this. And they're like, Oh, okay. So they shared me the link and they're like, Hey, I want to look at this and DM it. Do you think the group, maybe you might want to play this with me and i'm like well we can we can try to start that up as a second a secondary game and looked at it and the game that this person had suggested to my friend was dungeon crawl classics now if you're not familiar with that it's an attempt to go back back way Way back. back and get the style of like the original edition of dungeons and dragons and and kind of like retool it a little bit for the current audience um it it manages to do that pretty good but it keeps some of the things from that old school style and the lethality is definitely dialed up to like 11 because Mm -hmm. the game right from the get-go tells you in the game rules it tells you to just make up a bunch of characters and then run them through basically the tutorial and then whichever one of your four or five characters that survives, that's the character you're playing. <laughs> so you don't even get to pick what character you want to play. You're supposed to make a handful of characters and then just hope that one of them survives. And and literally in the first session, all of the players are basically playing a bunch of like younglings that have been sent out from the village to go survive in the wild and like the only ones that survive become the player characters. That level of lethality is just baked into the game. Hmm. And as I'm reading that, I'm I'm talking with her friend and I'm like, are you sure this is what you want to play? And she was like, oh yeah, I, I, 
you know, I like the setting and this, that, and the other. It's really cool. And, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. It, it didn't go too far because that, that game was definitely built around lethality and mm-hmm. it was not well suited to the palettes of a lot of the people we had in that group. Right. So, and it's like Jason said, kind of Ragnard <laughs> to deal yeah. with that level of, well, character died moving, moving right along. Yeah. Maybe I mean, that's, had, that's, that's, I came up like that. So it's baked into me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've, I've had character deaths. I don't think I've had so many of them that it's just be another thing, you know, and I, I gotta say, I, I am guilty of being somebody that sits at a table and goes, it's what my character would do. I've, I've, I've done that. I've tried not to do that in a way where I'm a jackass to other people, but like, I'll, I, I literally riffs story here playing mm-hmm. in riffs. And one of the character classes they have is literally called a crazy because they've got like microchips and stuff in their head. So mm-hmm. it literally makes them insane, but it gives them psionic powers. So while you're making up your character, you can roll on these charts that have all of these different special psychoses and things on us. And one of the ones that I got was multiple personalities and the Popeye syndrome. So I'm like looking over this and I turn to the GM and I say, if I've got multiple personalities, do I need to roll again for the second psychosis for both personalities or do both personalities have the Popeye syndrome? He he said, well, it would suck if both of them had the Popeye syndrome and they both needed to eat the same thing. And they're the same person. I was like, Ooh, what if they have to eat different things for both of the personalities? He goes, I guess, but what would you do to make that work? I mean, wouldn't that kind of suck? And then it hit me. One personality thinks it's a vampire and he has to drink blood. <laughs> the other one thinks he's a vampire slayer and he has to drink garlic. He has to eat garlic. That became the mm-hmm. concept for the entire character. The character at night thought he was a vampire. And the character during the day thought he was a vampire hunter that was chasing, guess who? Himself. himself. He was a totally <laughs> crazy guy. And in that system, most of the super high-tech weapons can't do shit to vampires. So about three sessions in, the evil army starts coming after us. And what does my guy do? He thinks he's a vampire. He jumps out of the back of this APC with two knives to go kill all the soldiers. And they drop a plasma grenade on him and kills him. (laughs) And I totally knew that was going to happen because the guy wasn't a vampire. Right. But he thought he was a vampire. And the sad thing is, is I was having a lot of fun with that character. It was, it was crazy. The, you know, playing both of the personalities and everything, you know, the, the tragic vampire. I'm sorry. I have to, I, I, I have to have a taste of blood to be able to help us. And they're like, fine, Brad, whatever. And then, you know, it was like the next day it, it was, it was a great character, but I totally knew that I was going to die. Right. If I did that. And if I played the character the way that he, cause he thought he was a vampire. So you know, I'm not afraid of those stupid laser weapons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, like Same I said, all me. one you plasma know, grenade. You, you, I had a well, it wasn't like that, but a similar situation with a character. Star Wars. I was in the Star Wars campaign. My friend, shout out to Brian. He had a great Star Wars game, and I was playing the pilot of the ship. You know, so I was the hotshot pilot, and she was pretty cool. I had backstory and everything. And she had a brother that she had to take care of and all that kind of stuff. And and we were going flying missions for who knows who knows what paying us. Whoever paid us, you know, was good enough for us. And we were like mercenaries. So we just flew all over the place. And main thing was to fly the ship. But I would go out and go on missions with them wherever we had to go. And went out on a mission. And we were on this planet. And my character... Got killed. That was that was it, done. And you know, it was like, hey, these things happen. I didn't bitch about it or anything like that. And just came up with another character to finish up the campaign. And the DM had to work around stuff like who's going to fly the ship now, who's going to take care of the brother. I was just going to ask you about that. It just gives challenges. Yeah, it it just gives challenges. Sometimes death can be an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it 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 can add stuff to the story, but it it can really like knock things off kilter pretty bad. But it's it's definitely things you gotta work around. Like in our D and D campaign right now, one of our characters has a dragon mark, so they're the they're one of the people that can use the airship that our party has just acquired. Mm-hmm. But luckily, we've got a co-pilot, and. I think that's it. So we've got two people on the ship. One of them is a hireling, and then one of them is is the player character. Both of them have the dragon mark, which is the only keys to the engine of our airship. If they right. don't have that special family mark, that airship ain't going nowhere. So, And he's been in um, near-death situations, a couple of them, oh, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so now maybe the... Uh, party has to really consider how to keep our pilot alive <laughs> well we've got a backup and you know i mean this is D D, so right. i mean even if he dies all we got to do is just stick a healing potion down his throat oh and i'm going to take this opportunity i'm probably going to say this again on friday wdnd roleplay radio this is a public service announcement when your party is bringing back that fallen party member at the end of the combat and everything is nice and calm and quiet, please don't use a potion of greater healing to wake someone up. Please just <laughs> use one of these standard healing potions. <laughs> They're only 50 gold, and they will make their eyes open. But the other potion that you just use, those are for emergency situations in the middle of combat when you need somebody to give someone a serious jump in hit points. If you use those after combat, you're wasting five, six, seven hundred thousand gold. So please remember, use house Jurasco standard healing potions to bring people <laughs> back to consciousness outside of combat. And don't cast spirit of dying and turn around and use a potion on the person when all you could do well, all you had to do was just give them the potion in the first place. That was funny. But I think we've <laughs> exhausted this topic enough. Yeah. So of course, y'all chime in. Let us know how you feel about this. Um, do you think D&D, well, 5th edition, um, is 
kind of on the easy track. I know they're doing some major league updates to it, and it could be unrecognizable once the new, whatever they're going to call it, not sixth edition, because they swear it's not going to be that. But yeah, it's going to be sixth edition. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but let us know how you feel about the topic, uh, how you feel about uh, using uh, hero point system, whatever it's called in the games that you run. Um, you can always hit us up on Twitter, W. DND podcast at WDND podcast and on email or we have a Gmail. It's uh, WDND podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we're saying, please like, and subscribe and don't forget to hit that notification bell. Feel free to reach out to us, share your ideas and become part of this conversation. All right. And from everybody here at WDND role play radio. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon.